2: You're listening to KLT and KLT HD2 on Odyssey Station. Let's get to the 8 at 8, the Ocho, 8 stories to get your day going. One. Let's start with the Texans. Saquon Barkley followed a bunch of dudes on the Texans on Instagram yesterday. This is what had him trending here in Houston. Saquon Barkley followed C.J. Stroud, followed Nico Collins, followed Tank Dell, followed Brevin Jordan, he even followed J.J. Watt. And he may have followed more people since then. I'm just up to speed as of going to bed last night. But yeah. Saquon Barkley, Seth, who I know is not at the tippy top of your running back list for the Houston Texans, but man, if there is one running back out of this crop that people seem to love connecting the dots to the Texans between, it's... It seems to be Saquon Barkley right now.
3: I think the, the, the appeal of Saquon Barkley is an obvious one. And it shows up glaringly whenever you watch his highlight reel. Yep. But that's the danger in a Saquon Barkley love affair is that it's all highlight reel. And the, the stuff that's not a highlight isn't nearly as encouraging. But I get it. I like the the potential for that, that home run hitter. They can, can single-handedly win a game with a huge run or a, an awesome reception or something like that. Um... As far as him, so I don't expect the Texans to actually go after Saquon Barkley. Hmm. It's too much of the cautionary tale of running backs. Okay, you take a guy who's been banged up and injured for a long time, uh, his entire career basically, and then you give him a second contract, which more times than not doesn't work out with NFL running backs. Yeah, yeah. Um, But as far as him following other players, I think most likely, usually when players do something like this, it's either A, trolling. Or B, kind of like a little bit of flirtation ahead of the actual game. Yeah. He's not allowed to talk to Nick Casario right now, but he can let his intentions be known. They're like, hey, I like what you guys got going down there. Do
2: you? Which do you think it is, trolling or showing some leg?
3: I think it's showing some leg. I do too. He's batting his eyelashes. Yeah. The yep. Big fake eyelashes on. And he's batting them like crazy That's right. for the Texans. That's yeah. right.
0: Two.
2: Uh, Astros spring training continues. Uh, games get started this weekend. I'm actually – I'm hoping they're televised. I'm, I'm kind of excited to sit down and watch some players 40 through 75 in Astros camp play some baseball. I'm ready for some baseball. Um, some good stories coming out on the Astros. There's one in the Chronicle uh, today about Jordan Alvarez from Matt Kawahara who covers the team. Vocal leader emerging in, um, in Jordan Alvarez who yeah. Joe Espada has said it. Mauricio Dubon, some quotes in here that when he talks, everybody listens. Kind of a key – we're looking long term because this is one guy we know is going to be with this team at least through twenty twenty eight. He's the he's probably the next baton holder, along with Altuve, for the chemistry and the ethos of that Astros clubhouse.
3: Yeah, I guess, uh, and I, it, like, people have always said he's way more vocal around the team than he is, you know, in front of the cameras or what have you. Uh, so that's natural, I, I think, for that to happen. I guess the, the thing that I'm more excited about is, and maybe I'm stupid to get too excited about this prematurely. But Pena's new swing and yeah. his elimination of all the twirling and everything yeah. like that. Uh, I uh, I'm excited about this. I'm excited to see Jeremy Pena 2.0.
2: Did you find yourself watching those videos over and over again the other day that were popping up? Those little yeah, one-on-one yeah. matchups. Have we? I, I asked Brandon this yesterday when when he was in. Have we seen those before on Twitter? Like the I that's the first time I can recall video dropping of Astros frontline pitchers. Pitching against Astro frontline hitters that in, in a batting so, not practice
3: the, only not um I don't think in not as in, in as much volume yeah like, yeah like, Josh I just Hader Hader yeah. versus break like I dude yeah. I would I
2: said this the other day I would I would drop a few bucks to sit there and watch a couple hours on a stream of Astro pitchers pitching against like good pitchers pitching against good hitters in in a batting practice or like a not even a batting practice scenario they didn't have a screen up or anything they were pitching like. You know he's thrown a hundred to Alex Bregman, and Alex Bregman is you know in the in the box swinging. That was cool. That was kind of unique. That was yeah. fun. Um, I like Pena's swing too. By the way, that's uh, a little, little calmer, little calmer. Swing.
3: changed his stance up, mm-hmm. so he's lowering down in a little bit too because they they they've been damaging him down in a way and away and. How was it? Soft and away, hard and inside. Whatever. He was down, down. He was, he was
2: bad down and away. Chaz. Was. Yeah, I know. But
3: I was trying to remember. It was hard down and yeah, hard down and away mm-hmm. and soft inside and down. But. Um, yeah, I, like the the swing changes are always interesting. Yep, I'd say it's a, about about like a thirty five percent hit rate on swing changes. I don't know. Usually, we're like you know a guy comes in, you're like oh yeah, it actually worked for him. Yeah, usually I'd say more times than not, it's disappointing. Oh yeah,
2: for sure. Yeah. I mean, more times than not, baseball is disappointing. So yeah, like when you're in the plate. So yeah, it's it,
3: yeah, it, it doesn't
2: work a lot. You're tweaking things for a reason, oftentimes. So yeah. right, right, yeah. right.
3: Three.
2: Uh, sad news in uh, Rockets room and here and here in Houston. Uh, Robert Reed, Rockets legend, passes away yesterday, age of 36. He was battling an illness. Um, super nice guy. like one. Honestly, like a favorite here in the city of Houston over the last several decades. Still made Houston his home. Still very visible out there in public over the last several years. And a staple of those Rocket teams that made the NBA Finals against the Celtics in 1981 and in 1986. He was with the Moses Malone crew in 81 and then with the Hakeem Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson crew in 1986. And Seth, as you pointed out, maybe the the one number, the one counting number that indicates just what, a, what big a staple Robert Reed was for the Rockets is he's played the fourth most games in the, in the history of what's been a star-studded franchise by NBA standards.
3: Yeah, yeah. Behind no, Olajuwon,
2: just... Calvin Murphy, and Rudy Tomjanovich sits Robert Reed at fourth on games played.
3: And the thing about Robert Reed that I find interesting, Sean, it's that, like in almost any venue where he was, people talk about what hell of a guy he was because mm-hmm. uh, he did a lot of charity work right up until, uh, you know, until the end. Um, but also just like people telling stories about like, oh, yeah, I saw him at a disco in 1982 and he was just like the nicest guy ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's that like kind any, of nice anywhere guy. Anywhere you go, he's that guy. Yeah, just like a warm human being. Yeah, yeah, like
2: he. People remember how they make how you make them feel, and Robert Reed always made people feel good when he was around yeah. them. Really, really good dude. Uh, rest in peace, Robert Reed. Four.
0: Four.
2: Uh, Justin Fields. As long as we talked earlier in the eight at eight here about the new love language of the twenty first century, following and unfollowing on social media. Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears on social media. And followed a handful of Atlanta Falcons players. The Falcons are definitely a team that is talked about to be in the mix to make a trade for Georgia native Justin Fields. What are we to read into this one, Seth?
3: Is I think that uh, that again, him trolling or showing his eyelashes. Leg, yeah. I think he's showing like yeah. he's just like letting his intentions be known that I'm interested in going to to Atlanta, just in case you guys are like uh, I don't know, unless you guys are if you're nervous to call or something. You know, like women will, do, women will do this. They try to give signals because they don't want to be too forward, but they want to let a guy know that it's okay to approach them. Mm-hmm. And we generally are complete idiots about it. We either don't get any signals and still approach them, right. or we get a bunch of signals and we wonder like, I don't know, is she into me? I don't know. Um, I think likewise, uh, that's, that's how it goes with this stuff too. Yeah. I think uh, the the Falcons might be seeing that and just wondering, like exactly what it means. Yeah, means he likes you, okay? Right, means he likes you, Atlanta. Yep,
2: yep. I I would imagine they got to probably figure out this Fields thing here shortly. Like I think also, like if the team's going to have Justin Fields as their quarterback, I think they want to know that going into free agency. I think if the Bears are making a decision as to what to do, whether keep Fields or Caleb, like I think to me, like March. Like, I think March 11th is the beginning of the league year, or the beginning of the period where teams can start talking to free agents, like the legal tampering, they call it. I think both the Bears and whoever winds up with Justin Fields wants to know what they look like going into free. I think free agents want to know what yeah. both those teams look like for sure. For context, the trade that the Bears made last year, Seth, to allow the Panthers to move up from 9 to 1 happened on March the 10th. So, just before the league year began. So, I think if you're looking for some sort of drop dead date for Justin Fields, the Bears, the whole thing, it's probably sometime in the next two weeks, I would say. Makes um,
3: sense. Amon, so, Justin Fields was on the Amon St. Brown um, podcast, which, which drops today, and in, in which he explains why he unfollowed the Bears Oh, on Instagram. That's a good They're tease. doing a good job teasing this thing. Yeah. It's on the th- the 33rd team. It's one of their podcasts. Okay. Um, so there you go. Okay. Mon Bye. Ross, Bye. St. Brown. I can't... Boy, it's one of those names I'm just struggling with <laughs> well, multiple years in now. Well... I'm getting on Monroe St. Brown's. He, it's like four different names in one. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his brother's
2: huh. name is Equinemius, so, you know, yeah. there's that. Um, more quarterback news, and I would imagine more quarterback drama or quarterback... Shuffle that's going to play out here over the next couple weeks. Russell Wilson in Denver. The Steelers, Seth, are heavy favorites to land Russell Wilson. Minus 250. So whether it's via a trade, I don't know why they trade for that contract, or more likely it's the Broncos moving on from Russell Wilson and then the Steelers signing him to a minimum contract because the Denver Broncos are picking up most of the tab. Um, But the Steelers are heavy favorites, the Raiders are on the board at five and a half to one. As is Atlanta at six and a half to one. Seven and a half to one. He's, he stays in Denver. I would say him putting his house up for sale is probably a pretty good indicator he expects to not be a Denver Bronco
3: anymore. I I have a hard time thinking of a quarterback who is a worse fit for the city of Pittsburgh than Russell Wilson. Me too. That's why
2: I want it to happen.
3: That's <laughs> that's. <laughs> yes. I'm like uh, hi. Russell Wilson for Iron City beer here hey uh, can you imagine no.
2: Russell Wilson going and talking to all the steel workers about empathizing <laughs> with them about how hard their job is every day um so but heavy favorite nevertheless minus 250 he'd be an upgrade over Kenny Pickett and and, uh, and, and Mason Rudolph I
3: can't think about, I'm just thinking about like even just like Russell Wilson with Greg Lloyd or <laughs> oh, like 17. all the Steeler legends just like uh, him hanging out at one Dude. of these events with like some of those dudes oh or the yeah. or the
2: group text between all those guys when they get yeah. Russell Wilson on the team <laughs> oh yeah yeah he's the antithesis of those Steeler teams it would like seem
3: Hines Warden uh, yeah no yeah that's not he's not a Pittsburgh Steeler no he's not he's just not a Pittsburgh Steeler th- he's not
2: he's not that's why it has to happen Six, yeah <laughs> um 10-time pro bowler Special teamer, Matthew Slater, retires after 16 seasons. Dude, 16 seasons playing for Bill Belichick. That is combat pay right there, man. Ten time Pro Bowler. Now, his dad, Jackie Slater, played 20 seasons for the Rams. Yeah. Seven time Pro Bowler, Hall of Famer. I I don't know if there's a number out there for something like this, but and the Mannings probably maybe obliterate this record? I don't even
3: know how you're going to describe it, but it's the Matthews family. It's got to be the Matthews family. It might be
2: the Matthews family. Like, okay, I'll say this. A family where it's just one father and son, like the singular father and son combo, playing the most seasons in the NFL, each with only one team. Slater was a Patriot his whole career, and Jackie was a Ram. He played his last season in St. Louis, but it's still the Rams. He was a Ram. These are two guys that played... A decade and a half and two decades all for the same team during an era where free agency was a major, major thing. That's a pretty remarkable pretty remarkable deal. That is
3: now, but he was a special teams player, not an every down player. Yep. I wonder if like Clay Mat- Clay Matthews the second played like six Sixteen seasons, but then his son Clay Matthews the third. I don't think he played more than ten years. The third
2: was Green Bay Ponytail Clay Matthews, yeah, right? Yeah, okay, and, and yeah. the Matthews the second was in Cleveland. For- was Bruce's brother? Clay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, yeah really so I player. guess
3: Bruce and Jake Matthews probably have a good shot at it because oh. Jake Matthews got to be getting up into ten years or so, isn't he?
2: With the Falcons, yeah, yeah. He got drafted in fourteen, so he's heading yeah, into. So his- he's
3: working on his eleventh year, and then Bruce was like nineteen seasons.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I guess my other question would be, Devin Hester just got into the Hall of Fame as a pro bowl, all pro level return guy. So does Matthew Slater get a shot at the Hall of Fame being a 10-time pro bowler as a special teamer?
3: I doubt it as like a special teams position player. I guess. Is that yeah, fair? I don't That's know. a I, word? I, was, I don't know. I don't yet. know. I
2: feel like Devin Hester got into this, the Hall of Fame making so few plays that... Matthew Slater probably gets at least should at least have a conversation about it.
3: This is where they need that wing. Yes, they need the little like a little uh, like an appendix, a nook, like a, shape it like an actual human appendix. Yes, it's off to the side. It's a useless appendage. And an, an, yeah. <laughs> yeah. nobody quite fit. So we don't know exactly why it's even there, but it's part of the game. Okay, <laughs> and uh, that's where <laughs> I think annex is the word you're
2: looking for, but I like appendix no. better. You no, like-
3: it's an, a, a human appendix. It's a, like it's a it's you're, useless. Like you're, Yes. Yes.
2: I like that. All right. Seven. All right. A couple more here. College football playoff approves. The committee approves the five plus seven format, which if you missed it in the seven o'clock hour, almost made Seth's head explode. Um, The five best conference champions and the seven best at large teams, as per the 13 sets of human that are going to rate all these teams, um, They will get into the new 12-team format, which starts this year. So there's no burn-in period here where there are still four teams. It's going to be 12 teams. Um, The four conference champions, top four conference champions, will get a bye. And they'll wait the uh, quarterfinals. The thing I'm most excited about are the four first-round games that are going to be played on college campuses. I'm just very anxious to see the playoff environment on a college campus Especially cold weather ones. If we get some warm weather teams having to go to cold weather teams yeah, to, yeah. to play a like, playoff
3: game, you mean like a, one of those Big Ten teams versus one of those Big Ten teams? Yeah, yeah. Well, now that, now that. Oh, now I know, right, California right. teams. Yeah, are the that's Big true. 10. What
2: am I saying? We're going to see it in like November <laughs> in the Big Ten. That's a great point. Never mind. This playoff sucks.
3: <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, everything's weird. Even this damn five plus seven format pisses angers me because it's okay you immediately see it and you're like oh yeah yeah the chat the head of the the conference champion from the power five and then you remember that oh wait the pack 12 only has two teams yeah in it right it's, a, it's a it's a, it's a okay. power
2: four with two orphans now is what it is. Uh,
3: one thing that one of our listeners earlier thought that you, as a Notre Dame alum, would be distraught that that Notre Dame's left out in the cold. Now it's not, it's actually better for the unaffiliated teams because all you have, as long as you're in the at least the top twelve, you're yeah. going to make it to the tournament. Well, yeah. the
2: the only thing that Notre Dame won't benefit from is they, they they're not in a conference, so they'll never get a bye. They, you have to be a conference champion to get a bye in yeah. the first round. So the best case, even if Notre Dame were rated the number one team in the country by the committee, they would be the five seed. In the tournament because yeah. you have to be a conference like, champ to be one through four. Let's
3: think about how this realistically is going to play out. If you're good enough to be like an actual contender in the playoffs, that first game you play is going to be a bye. It's going to be – if you're genuinely national championship caliber oh, material, yeah, and you're going to destroy some team and your backups will be in the game by mid-witch. If you're
2: the five season. seed, you'll probably draw the conference champion that's the fifth one that's from the AAC or Sun Belt or whatever yeah. it is. So, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, a good point. Last one. Um, if you are waiting, I, I can't remember a Super Bowl where we've seen more mic'd up content put out online. It's been There's really, really good. It's been a lot. Yeah. It's been a lot. I mean, we've gotten major insight into the decision-making process and overtime of both teams, the knowledge or lack thereof of the overtime rules. Um, so we've never seen more, in, in my time at least, more mic'd up content for a Super Bowl. It would appear, though, the one bit of content we would love to see, Seth, we're never going to get, and that is Travis Kelsey berating Andy Reid on the sidelines after Kelsey was on the sideline for an uh, Isaiah Pacheco fumble and dog-cussing Andy Reid. Uh, Mike Florio and also the New York Post, I believe, had this as well. It's believed that the Chiefs have essentially blocked the league from using that footage or done their best to block. They don't want that out there. Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid.
3: (laughs) Why does it have to be? This is so funny. Wait, it it doesn't have to be Kansas City asking the league not to put that out there. Florio speculates. No, I know. This is the way it works. Like, for the most part, when they. When they convince guys to get mic'd up, they tell you, like, we're not going to put things that are necessarily scandalous out there. If you're, if you're talking smack about one of your own coaches or something, we're going to, we're going to keep that off. Yeah. Um, cause otherwise then guys aren't going to want to be mic'd up. That was one of the, you know, like, I, there are a lot of guys that still hesitate to be mic'd up because they just don't want, you know, you forget you're wearing a mic and you yeah. all of a sudden call your head coach a buffoon or something. Right. Or in, worse. In different verbiage. Yeah. You know you know how often kids these days use the word buffoon? Yeah. <laughs> so sick of Andy <laughs> Reid. Buffoon. Right.
2: <laughs> Suffering succotash.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's a damn charlatan. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, I, I don't think it needs to be a big, deep conspiracy theory for Florio. Florio is in oh, clickbait mode. He's in mid-season sure. like, mode, yeah. He tries, he's tries. he got a quota in his head, I'm sure, of how many clicks he wants because right now he's going after everybody. Everybody.
2: Yeah. All right, D'Amico Dust, Pixie Dust, versus the C.J. Stroud magic spell. Brandon Scott and I kind of discussed this yesterday. I'm curious. Seth's thoughts on this. This is a free agency angle on the Houston Texans. What's more powerful, the D'Amico Dust or the Stroud spell? That is next.
0: failed.
5: Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast.
2: Payne and Pendergast with you. A reminder, you can uh, stream the show on YouTube and on Twitch. I know there's still more and more people finding that. The number's going up and up every day. We appreciate you tuning in there. You can chop it up with other listeners in the chat room there on YouTube and Twitch.
3: I remember being out at practice one day, wondering about, what is this YouTube thing anyway? It's, uh, as a player back in the it. day, you mean? Uh, yeah, I got to fact ch- ch- check myself uh, on that. But it was no, they, yeah, 2005. Yeah. 2005 was when they started. And it was like 2006 or 2007 where it was like – I don't remember when it first got bought by or, or first started showing up, but yeah. Yeah, uh, That
2: 2006, 2007, as I remember, that was right about – it was before I got into radio. It was right about the time I was killing a lot of time in my office – <laughs> on this new YouTube thing. I'm like, this is amazing.
3: Yep. Google acquired it on October 9th, 2006. Yep. And that's what I, it was that season. I can remember just being in the bubble, talking to somebody about YouTube and being like, what, how do, what is this? How do, how do, it's the internet. I'm not so convinced that the internet thing's even going to work yeah. out. YouTube? Yeah. YouTube. <laughs>
2: so you're telling me. I can watch the end of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Brett the Hitman Hart in 1996 anytime I want to. Yeah.
3: I don't have to wait
2: for a VHS tape. I don't have to
3: uh,
2: find it on cable. No? Oh, good. Um, so, this, Seth, this plays back into something Brandon and I were talking about yesterday with free agency for the Texans. Um, the, t- the two big things that the Texans have going for them right now as a franchise, I think, are their head coach and their quarterback. D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud. And D'Amico, obviously, former defensive coordinator, former linebacker, His, you know, the, the slant for what he does with the team is over on the defensive side of the ball. CJ's your quarterback, so he's your catalyst offensively. So it, it feels like an attacking free agency that there's all these big marquee names floating around. And if we're going to shop in the really expensive aisle, it feels like it's going to be at the expense of one side of the ball. Like, if they go get Mike Evans, there's a good chance they're not going and getting an interior defensive lineman that's a Matabike type. Similarly, if they go get Christian Wilkins or Matabike, then they're shopping in a more medium aisle on the offensive side of the ball. So the question that I have, D'Amico Ryans, Brandon called it pixie dust. He's like, I don't know, man. I just feel like D'Amico can sprinkle that D'Amico pixie dust on – linemen and linebackers, and they're going to be... Dust,
3: Tom, yeah, Tom Herman gave Pixie Dust a bad name because okay. he, he made it seem like it didn't exist. Right. Where it does indeed exist. It does. Tom Herman just didn't have it.
2: Right. So D'Amico, with his Pixie Dust, can yeah. take maybe above-average defensive linemen and make them great, average defensive linemen, make them above-average, and so forth. CJ on the other side, we'll call it the Stroud spell, and I maybe the sample size is too small, but boy, he sure turned Nico Collins, or helped... Turn Nico Collins into something, boy. Tank Dell and C.J. sure look like they have something special. And yeah. I don't want to discredit the receivers in this whole thing, but is you know is C.J. the type of guy where you go, okay? Well, do we need to go get Mike Evans? I mean, he he could be a guy that like like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and others raises the level of guys around him. So as you're attacking free agency, is there a certain one that raises the level that you would favor? Into like, would would you would you be more likely to say, okay, let's get C.J. weapons because D'Amico. The D'Amico dust works, or do you go get defensive guys because CJ's a raise the level guy?
3: Yeah, yeah. I guess. Well, the other the other factor of that. And sorry, I thought that, I thought where you're going to go with it is in the. Okay, I was thinking like, all right, which when it comes to impact free agency players, the prove it guys are the best. Like those are the guys that okay, they just like a Dalton Schultz. you get them at a cheap deal? But and they'll come to you. Yeah. Like if they'll come, like the big guys are going to go where the money is. The prove-it guys are going to go where they think the situation is best and where they might have the best opportunity to do something. So that's combined in that. Like, okay, so in free agents looking at it, which ones are more likely to say, yeah, okay, D'Amico Ryan's in this defense. It's going to do something for me. And likewise with the offense, I almost feel offensively. Offensively, it's better in this system when those guys that play above their pay grade Mm – come from drafted players who who grow up in the system, Mm -hmm. who are developed in the system. And like, you know, like McCaffrey, that's a high dollar item that you brought in. But the other guys, the George like so if we're looking at the 49ers, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, um, those guys grew up in the system. And they were kind of hand selected for that system. Defensively, I think you can do more with guys that, that are maybe Like blue collar, blue, you know, blue collar players. Yeah. I think that's what they did this year with a lot of the linebackers. You look at the linebacking core, and other than Christian Harris, you had a lot of guys that were, you know, playing above. You know, I think Denzel Perryman, Denzel Perryman's a tricky one because Uh. he's been, he's had moments in his NFL career where he's awesome, but he's still, he's, he's a, he's like, it's weird. He's like a, gloriously gifted journeyman at this point, but they can get the... I think defense is my yeah. answer. Yeah, like the most... You're going to get the most bang for your buck out of yeah, defense. Yeah, I
2: think Cashman is a is a, is a a big one. That's a yeah. big example of what you're talking about. I Keep guess it. from... Let me give you from this perspective. If you're Nick Casario, yeah. and you go, okay, I've got X amount of dollars to spend here. I want to make a splash. Do I do it at skill positions where I feel like, I don't know, CJ might be... I don't know that I need to go splurging at skill positions. CJ can raise the level of guys. Or... Do I look at the defense and go, I don't know, man. Like, D'Amico can make average guys look a whole lot better. Like, if, if I'm Nick, how does that prism affect – you know, like, how, how does that affect your spending if you're Nick? Are you more likely to just trust the D'Amico dust or more likely to trust what CJ does when it comes to making splurges and going and getting guys? That makes sense?
3: I think um, – I, yeah. I, I thought yeah, I, Which is more powerful
2: to... – the D'Amico dust or the CJ spell? Uh,
3: uh, <laughs> I, okay, the, the CJ spell, I guess. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, the CJ spell. Okay. Uh, yeah, if you're gonna go for, um, I mean, I just argued against like spending on free agency yeah. with the with the offensive players. So now I'm kind of committed to just drafting offensive players gotcha. and getting your getting your guys in free agency gotcha. defensively. Gotcha. Uh, it, it, yeah, as far as. Like who can you do that? I mean, it's it's really hard with like without specific examples. Yeah. Like a Saquon Barkley, okay, yeah. is who's going to benefit more, is Saquon Barkley from playing with CJ and maybe a better offensive line than the New York Giants, or would you say like um, I don't know, like let's say Josh Allen is a defensive end, mm-hmm. is Josh Allen playing in that defense? I think that Josh Allen, I think Saquon Barkley benefits more than Josh Allen, yeah. in that scenario.
2: Uh, Payton Pendergast with you on a uh, on a uh, Wednesday.
3: Um, one person, one of our listeners says, defense, look at the Chiefs' defense for the Super Bowl. Maybe a shutdown corner or interior lineman. Only issue is not many marquee corners out there, except that both the marquee corners for the Chiefs are out there. Um, one of them will likely get... McDuffie is a free agent, right?
2: Uh, no, he's a, he's on his rookie oh. deal. You're thinking of Sneed. Oh,
3: it's Sneed, Sneed. Sneed. Dang Sneed. it, dang it, dang it. Yeah, Sneed. Um, and I meant, I was picturing Sneed. This is the thing about Legereus Sneed. Legarius Snead. Um, a lot of people wonder whether Legarius Snead is a product of Steve Spagnuolo and the Chiefs being really good at developing cornerbacks, and uh, like I, I think they're kind of in in that same manner. One of the things that works really well for the Chiefs is developing those defensive backs. Um, but Snead also had a boatload of penalties this year too. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. And that's a look. That's a different scheme though too. It's going to be front seven for the defense. Um, if they if they go out and acquire, I'd be surprised if they spent it on the Jerry Need. I think it's going to be on a, a front seven player.
2: Boy, did I say Robert Reed was thirty six when he passed away? I had a few people texting. Him. He was sixty eight. I thought I said he was sixty eight because I was looking at headlines and it said sixty eight years old. He was sixty eight years old when he passed away. If I said thirty six, yeah. I apologize. Um, no, he was still. I mean, he may have played till he was thirty six. That kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I um. I don't expect them to spend at cornerback. They need cornerbacks, but I don't expect them to spend big at cornerback because as you pointed out, D'Amico's more of a of a front seven guy. Um, and I think their splurge at cornerback is coming up a year from now when they start talking to Derek Stingley Jr. about an extension. Assuming he stays healthy. Yeah. You know, for anybody that's like looking at uh text message says I'm holding my breath for Patrick Queen as their yeah, splurge.
3: Um, oh, dang it. There's a kid, uh, there's a Texans Twitter dude who does stuff for clutch, uh, sports that's good. And I can't think of his name right now, but he pointed out that Patrick Queen, um, has struggled when he's tried to play Mike linebacker. So he's been better as a will. And that's kind of been Christian Harris's deal too. Um, the one thing I wonder about that is that, so like the question would be, all right, if you're going to try to develop Christian Harris as a will and Patrick Queen as a will, that's That's a, that's a little bit of a overspend on one, one position. Um, I, I wonder if maybe in D'Amico's defense, that transition would be simpler for Patrick Queen. And because that, that Ravens defense, they are very, very, very diverse. Like they run a lot of different stuff. And, you know, D'Amico wants to do more next year than he did this year, I would assume, but not necessarily to the same level that, that the Ravens do. So Patrick Queen, might end up being a, a better fit at Mike for the Texans. But yeah, like somebody in that regards, I think. In this defense, the linebackers are a much bigger deal than in a lot of other teams. Just because of the way they line up with their defensive line, it's really, really hard for the linebackers to both be good at stuffing the run and getting out to their pass responsibilities. So they got to be awesome two-way players. And right now, they just they just don't have that right mixture and blend. I feel good and optimistic about Christian Harris. Um, but they got to, they got to continue to improve that.
2: Can Brevin Jordan be our version of Debo Samuel? Man, that speed. Yeah, that 76-yard touchdown has people all fired up about Brevin Jordan. <laughs> that one play. <laughs> Maybe he can be Debo can
3: Samuel. Brevin Jordan be our version of Samuels? So, like, as a guy that can line up in the backfield or as as wide receiver. Yeah. I, mean, I think He's he, not, he's not a wide receiver. No, a catch um, and run
2: guy probably is what I'm yeah, thinking here. Uh,
3: he's like, he's not as versatile as Debo Samuel. Yeah. Um, but he's like like nobody he he tries to block. I give him credit for that. He's just not that big. I think a lot of people think that they they mistake how they don't realize that he's actually a small tight end cuz he's mm-hmm. so built, you know, he's very muscular. Um but he really struggles at the physical side of the game, which is fine. In today's NFL there's lots of tight ends who can't block. But I also don't think he's as athletic as those true flex tight ends. Yep. Um so he's a little stuck in no man's land. I think he's I think he's a versatile tool that can be used and I think I'll use him more this year but he's just not he's he, he does he's not your main guy. Yeah. He's not going to be one of your main guys. Um
2: the uh, let's circle back to the Astros in this next segment. They I think the theme coming out of spring training so far is there's some guys on this team who made some major changes this offseason and a lot of them are guys who really disappointed last year. Which of the guys who've made major changes do we expect most for that to
0: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and medella is your reward. medella the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by
3: Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
4: Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media, and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tecovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, and point your toes west.
5: Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents... Payne and Pendergast.
2: All right, Payne and Pendergast with you. Um, Astros, spring training. Games get started on Saturday. Very excited for the season. Yeah, man. Uh, They play Washington. It's basically like kids that live on the same street, and they're just going and finding a field to play some sandlot ball because they share that West Palm Beach facility with each other there. Um, So that'll be cool. Uh, A lot of – this is the – I don't know. Maybe if it's because they, you know, they got knocked out in the ALCS, they couldn't win home games at the end of the year. The Rangers are your current World Champions. I don't know if that's why I'm watching this stuff more acutely. I don't know. The Rangers so, won. They won the World Series. I know. No, I know you. Not I know you. You stopped watching baseball after the ALCS. Yeah,
3: that's a shame, I, I
2: did, dude. I didn't watch. A, I didn't watch a minute of that World Series. It was them and the Diamondbacks. Like, did anybody care outside of Arlington and
3: well, not according to Scott's the ratings. Ale? Yeah, right. Outside. There was a no. Like, God, in all seriousness. Twenty seven thousand people watched That's that it? series. That's it. That was it. it. There
2: were more people watching in the stadium
3: than on TV. There was obviously. I was joking about the twenty seven thousand, but it was. Uh, was it the worst rated World Series? It was bad. Ever? I know that. it was, yeah. it was pretty bad. It yeah. was
2: bad. Um, but for for whatever reason, I feel like there's more news coming out of Astro Spring Training about adjustments that guys have made, tweaks mm-hmm. that guys have made. There's oh, a lot. Yeah. Of, a lot of guys trying to recapture some magic here. Um, Jeremy Pena is a big one. Like, if you're looking for improvement with the Astros, they made their splurge with Josh Hader. The rest of the improvement's probably going to have to come from within and guys figuring some things out. Now, I know Jeremy Pena, I say recapturing the magic. In his career, that postseason he had is a complete outlier. He's an average offensive shortstop at best, he's a really good defensive shortstop, but he's, he's trying to get better offensively. Here's Joe Espada on. Some of the tweaks that Pena has made to his swing. You know what? i actually seen him for the last couple of weeks in Houston. And, you know, he looks, he looks comfortable in the box. He looks athletic. Um, I think he's using the whole field, hitting the ball in the air more with power. And uh, I really like where he's at early in camp. Okay, so big tweaks to Pena's swing. And it does look different if you go watch video of it. Like, it's yeah. way less active.
3: Well, they just even from the very start, like without getting technical at all, he doesn't twirl it around so That's much. That's right. It's just, yeah, it's holds nice it on his shoulder like Brantley yeah. style, you know. Yeah. Um, what's your optimism? Which there's a, there's a, like, uh, like if anything, like in any kind of motion for throwing or hitting or anything, the more motion there is, the harder it is to control, and uh, everything just gets out of control really really quickly so he's trying to steady everything down and um hopefully it works
2: you optimistic about Pena this year
3: how you feeling i am i am i think that look i because you've seen the high bar um it made it made uh it it, it made you forget about like some of his struggles from his rookie season uh before the playoffs and and i think there is more of a it, almost by seeing the the promise of the high bar that he had in the playoffs two years ago, you maybe we all just expected the trajectory to be different. Yeah, I think it, when you when you put it all together and average it out, I think you can start to see. All right, he's got to get that power back. Um, but there's a lot to be positive about in that it's just going to, it's, it's going to follow the trajectory of a more, more of a normal young player than some kind of phenom that jumps out to MVP status, uh, you know, in his first playoff, in his rookie playoff. I know. Yeah. It,
2: I mean, that is crazy. I just still can't believe he hasn't hit a home run since July 5th. Like
3: you it's think been a long long time you think time.
2: he'd pop one into the Crawford boxes by accident at some point
3: you know it's almost yeah that's where you start to wonder how much anything mental played into it yeah. You're right, like just by accident yeah the worst hitters in the league usually have a few home runs in the second half of the season yeah For sure they're, if they're out there playing every night they're going to hit a home run or two
2: all right so that's Pena Jose Abreu Seth the big change appears to be Pilates. Pilates and an understanding that he may need a day off here and there because Jose Abreu has been throughout his career kind of an Iron Man. That's why they signed well,
3: him. Yeah, and I, yeah, because they expected. I, that's why they signed him. But I don't know if they expected him or or hoped that he would play every single game for the next three years. And like last year, one issue was that there wasn't necessarily a lot of options to put at first in place of him. Where now this year you got three different guys that can play first base, um, and I think that they'll. And and especially with, you know, dependent. This is the this is a trade off. If you want Jordan, if Jordan can play more or a lot in left field, yeah. then you get more opportunities for DH. you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, Breu, Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I I am uh, I am optimistic about Abreu. Um, I'm I optimi- I I'm I'm buying into the coming in 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 a different kind of shape. Yeah. Uh, he was better in the second half of the season. I think he's probably going to feel a little more acclimated this year to the clubhouse and whatnot. That can be a pretty intimidating thing. Even for a veteran former MVP like Jose Abreu, to come into a clubhouse that is full of guys who are just coming off winning the World Series and being in the ALCS for six straight years, I think can be kind of a daunting thing.
3: I think the important thing that happened with him in the offseason was that what had been a theory about, okay, maybe his back was really bothering him more than he let on and that was affecting his play and he probably should have taken a rest earlier. That seems like it's just basically been accepted as truth and without anybody really denying it. So that part of it, that's where I think I get optimistic about the Pilates is that, all all right, yeah, he's getting up to an age where he should expect more injuries than he's used to. He's gonna to have to change something about his approach to the game to stay healthy, and maybe that was as simple as what he needed was to start, you know, paying attention to that part of his training a little bit more and staying healthy. And then the other side of it too is, yeah, this year maybe it'll be a little easier to convince him to take a break if you need to.
2: Yep, I'm optimistic on Abreu. For Amber Valdez, now the big change he made is he got rid of his, uh, his I don't know what we're calling that. Extensions. Weave. His extensions. Extensions. His yeah. Um. He got rid of that. He looks to be. Some of this maybe camera angle on shots of. I don't know. He looks like he's in better shape this year than he was last yeah. year. I know he's stocky to begin with, but he looks like he's in better shape. What's our Framber return to Magic optimism level?
3: Yeah, I went back and looked. I don't. I'm not buying that he was any heavier last year than he was the year before. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, with with Javier, I, I see Javier. It. I'll go to the mattresses with, that he was yeah.
2: heavier last year.
3: Okay, so Tyler Milner. Has Tyler Milner claimed victory on this yet? Or is he waiting for Frammer to just be lights out in the first couple of months? If there's Tyler a victory- Milner notoriously was like very concerned about his new hair yeah. after the All-Star break.
2: If there's a victory to be claimed, Tyler has probably claimed
3: it, I'm guessing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well... I mean, uh, to really tie it to the hair, he's got to come out and the well. old Framber right off the bat. Uh, so I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> the-
2: no, Tyler, my guess is that Framber being bad with the extensions was good enough for him to claim victory. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm going to go with.
3: If he continues to... To have some of those same struggles without the hair. Then we've got to look. At, then we got to start have to look at his, glo- uh, his, uh, uh, his well, glove. His then we worry. I mean, like it, like in I all seriousness, yeah. then you worry. Like
2: if Framber, if Framber does of all these guys, like if Framber doesn't get back to being what he was, like that's if I had to pick one that I want to get back to what they were, it's Framber Valdez. Like he yeah. was elite, elite for a year and a half.
3: So uh, I'm not buying that the hairstyle has anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. I do think that, like, for a guy that really needed a couple of years to figure out exactly what his mental approach to the game was going to be and that a lot of it involved stepping off the mound to take a deep breath. I think the pitch clock and the the new stealing rules and everything else really took its toll on him yeah. over time. I'm guessing that like it was almost... Uh, like almost cumulatively, too, where the first few months it wasn't that big a deal, but when the stress and fatigue starts to mount over the course of a season, there probably just were more and more moments where you could kind of just start to fray at the edges a little bit so i'm just I'm hoping he spent a lot of time with his sports uh, mental enhancement trainer. Yeah, I don't like to say psychologist because people get all weird about that. His mental enhancement trainer in the offseason, and he's got a plan for it. I, I
2: think I, I think Verlander being back is going to help Framber too. Like the, the the tippy top of the rotation pressure is not on. Framber's a guy who I worry about the mental side of things. And if you're asking me, like, okay, is the dynamic of this staff more conducive to Framber being a little more even keeled this year? Hmm. I think just having Verlander there to you know kind of. Take some of the ace pressure off of Framber Valdez, I think is probably a good thing for him. Yeah. Not not that he's not a bulldog or anything like that. It's just he's not very consistent when it comes to. (laughs) The mental side. I mean, he was back to throwing at guys again last year.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, it was the Mariners. Oh, I get right. it. Yeah, but. that was no, I, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, throwing was, guys out of like, it wasn't even, yeah, not even by the old school rules of baseball, yeah, was it? Yeah, I don't remember. It was, I, yeah, what were the circumstances of that? I, yeah. I just, I
2: just remember seeing, I just remember going, okay, this ain't good.
3: <laughs> like, this, we're back. It to was from- him kind of melting down and just, it was, yeah, a, it was we're, he was frambering. He we're was frambering back to in the, the COVID way. year again, yeah.
2: Framber. Yeah. Um, skinny Javi, trying to get optimistic about skinny Javi, but I don't
3: know. Okay. With Javier, you know how I feel about changes in weight. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see it unless there's a reason for it. You know, I don't like it when guys are all-star caliber and then they decide to all of a sudden change their body weight or something. With Javier, he has yet to to prove that he should be a season-long full-time starter. You know, when he, he rolled into it two years ago and... You know, pitched enough innings, but not enough that he was ever even on the. Remember, remember the ambush part of Javier with every fan base in the playoffs was that he hadn't had enough innings two years ago to show up in the leaderboards. Yeah, even though he was like leading in all these different, he's like top five in all these different categories, except he didn't have the minimum number of innings. Like last year, when he's a starter from the get-go, it was just different. So I think for him, yeah, the endurance side of it, and you know, night in and night out, maybe carrying a few less pounds might make a big difference.
2: Maybe. Um, I'm looking at some of these free agency rankings that are starting to pop up here with free agency a couple weeks away. Is is this Houston Texan going to be way, way harder to re-sign than we think he is? We'll tell you who it is coming up next.
1: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.